The Storm Wraith and the Three Crate Scams, a myth from the Children of the Desert. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, the Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a planet of myth and mystery. The twin suns of the world shone down on an unforgiving desert of icy wastes and burning salt flats. Mountain ranges that circled the planet reached for the skies and kept the rain from falling in all but the most heavy of storms. But in the most inhospitable wastes of this planet a legend slowly grew. A wraith, born of storm and stars, had gone through his moat and grown into the wings granted by the storm like no one could expect. He was fierce, bold, wise, brave, and above all he was kind. For he dedicated his gifts to the protection of his community and the freedom of us all. And it is in this dedication that we find the tales of his adventures. For as a runner, the wraith is sworn to free those who are chained, and all one has to do is ask. It was thus that one night, when the moons hid themselves in darkness and the wind whispered in the dune-sea sand, that a mother found herself praying at the shrine of the storm. Burning a candle, she sacrificed three kestrels she had caught earlier that day and prayed, prayed for the storm to send one of its runners, so she may plead her case. Her prayer lifted up, echoing through the shrine as the candle cast dancing shadows on the wall. The mother never stopped her prayer, remaining steadfastly knelt down in front of the altar as the blood of the sacrifices dripped onto the floor, for she knew that the storm was a fickle god. But fickle though it was, it could be kind, and the mother counted on its kindness for this. Seven times she would recite a prayer begging for aid, and on the seventh time, a mighty gust of wind ripped through the shrine, blowing out the candle and splattering the blood onto her. Startled, she looked up and saw that her prayer had been answered. Knelt down on top of the altar and over her sacrifice, with a cloak of midnight that flared in the wind and eyes that glowed like spirit fires behind a familiar mask, marked with nothing but two tear lines from the eyes. The storm wraith had appeared as if from the shadows. Fear not, he told the mother as she scrambled back across the floor, fear gripping her heart at the wild and powerful figure of myth and legend that had appeared. For my patron has called me here to answer your call. Now pray tell, my lady, what is it you seek? The mother did not answer, 
for her fear at the sudden appearance of the storm's champion was still far too great. But the wraith was as kind as he was patient, and asked again. I cannot help you if you do not speak, he told her again. Please, my lady, tell me what you seek. Again the mother did not answer, as all she was able to bring out was a whimper and a tear, brought forth from the fear she still held. But the wraith was patient and kind, and stepped off the altar to dry her tears with his cloak, and ask her one more time, kneeling down in front of her so she may not fear him, sir. My lady, he said once more, I need to know what you seek. Finally, the mother overcame her fears and replied in kind. My children, she answered. I was a slave three moons ago, and had two children. But after saving up what little money I could, I had hoped to buy freedom for all three of us. Tears began to fall as she recalled her plight to the wraith, and explained further that her master was cruel, and instead freed only her, while keeping her children and refused to grant her permission to buy their freedom too claiming that they would be better workers and companions than she ever would be, the older they grew. Desperate, and with no other recourse, she began to ask around. No one had any recourse for her except to accept her grief and remember her children as they were. She would not accept that, though, and at last one of the elders had told her that if she was determined enough, there may yet be another way. She was told to go out into the desert and capture the first three animals she could find, then bring them to the shrine of the storm to sacrifice them and pray for aid. There the answer to her woes would appear. And now, she said, Here you are. So I beg of you, help my children. Set them free. With her tale told, and her case made, all she could do was wait for judgment as the wraith silently stared down at her, eyes unblinking with spirit glow. But the wraith is as brave as he is kind, and at last he inclined his head. I accept your children as my charges, he told the mother. Keep watch over this shrine. If you see three candles burning on its steps, you know your children will have been saved. If you see only one, you will know I have failed. And with another gust of wind, the wraith was gone, leaving the shrine darkened and the mother to await his return. The master had kept the children was greedy and had grown slothful and cruel on the riches gained on the backs of his slaves. He maintained a stronghold deep within the mountains against the wishes of the spirits there, and held many slaves within its walls, walls which were high and well guarded. The wraith would need to be clever to steal within its confines, find his charges and free them. He would need a plan. So he went to a lair deep, deep within the mountains, where the sage of Kashmir Ridge resided the greater crate that guarded the lands, and the wraith's own mentor, a behemoth 
of incredible wealth and knowledge. It is said that its great body could wind around a mountain, and that its six wings could blot out the suns, covered in gleaming scales of pearlescent midnight and void. It is said that the sage was born of an egg created from the very night sky itself, with the blessing of the star paths, millennia ago. Hail, O sage! The wraith greeted as he entered the lair, bowing deeply, for the storm's own champion knew to respect the power and wisdom of the powerful crate. I have come to beg your aid in the flight of two young children, stolen from their mother's arms by a cruel master. The sage regarded their pupil, brought to them by the storm and blessed with their knowledge. Speak, pupil mine, they spoke, and present your case. Doing as he was told, the wraith told the sage of the flight he had taken on, and the obstacles in his way, the high walls, the many guards, and the cruel master, all sequestered in a stronghold deep within the mountains. The sage knew of the stronghold of which the wraith spoke. The mountain spirits had long since been displeased with its presence, and told their pupil that he might find allies in them. Furthermore, they gave the wraith three scales, telling him that if he ever came across any obstacle he couldn't overcome, he merely had to take one out, and whispered to it for it to aid him. Taking the three scales with gratitude, the wraith left the lair and came up with a plan. Travelling back through the mountains, the wraith followed the hidden trails to an unassuming rock wall. But the wraith was not fooled by its appearance, and pacing in front of it three times, while praying for the storm and the spirits to hear him, the rock wall finally relented on the third time and dissolved like the illusion it was, revealing a passage beyond it. The wraith, ever brave, passed through the passage, and found himself standing in an oasis grotto, dedicated to the spirits. Hail, O spirits, the wraith called as he entered the grotto, a voice thundering like the storm that had claimed him as his own. And the spirits appeared in fire and flame as bright as the wraith's own eyes, heeding the thunder's call. You have come to us, O wraith, the spirits greeted as they walked on air and water alike. Tell us what brings you here. I have come to beg your aid, O spirits. The wraith answered as he bowed in deep respect. The storm called me to a mother in need, and she called me to the mountains to retrieve her children from a cruel master who stole them from her. He has taken children, he has taken slaves, and he has taken residence where he is not welcome. I intend to stand against him, and I ask you to stand with me. The spirits convened amongst themselves, and eventually three stepped forward. We know of who you speak, the first spirit said. He has taken possession of the spring he has built his stronghold over. He has taken possession of the rock of the mountains to build his stronghold, the second spirit said. He has taken possession of the people of the mountains to build and work in his stronghold, the last spirit said. 
None of these were his to take, they all continued. Return them to us and you have our aid. Done, the wraith agreed. Then remove your mask and gloves, wraith, the three spirits bade. And accept our blessings. Obeying the command, the wraith removed the requested garments as the three spirits approached. The first took the wraith's left hand and kissed the bare skin. The second took his left and kissed the skin too. The third tilted back the wraith's head and kissed his brow, right between the eyes. We will be with you, wraith, they promised as they stepped back. And when your need is greatest, we will answer. Thanking the spirits, the wraith gloved and masked himself once more, and set out for the stronghold. Deep into the mountains he travelled, guided only by the winds and the whispering sands. Through mountain and valley the wraith travelled, until at last he came upon the stronghold, a vast and imposing fortress, with walls that reached high into the sky, and a heavy steel gate watched by wary guards. None would get in, and none would get out without passing through it. But the wraith is clever and cunning, and he knew to watch, to watch and wait. And so he watched the stronghold for two days and two nights, seeing her came and went without the guards' harassment and questions. And on the third day, the wraith disguised himself as a travelling merchant, a bag of rocks as precious stones, and bundles of dead branches as rolls of fine cloth. Disguised and with wares to present, the wraith approached the gate of the stronghold. Hail, guards, the wraith called out. I'm a traveler come from afar to present the master of this fine household with my humble wares. May I enter? Hail, traveler, the head guard called back. Present your wares so we may judge if they are worth our master's time. I present precious fabrics, O guard, woven from the finest of silks and wools. May I enter? The head guard eyed the fabrics the wraith presented, which shimmered in the light of the suns with a rich gleam, and knew they were fine and soft fabrics. It is fine wares you present, O traveler, but it alone will not be enough to earn you an audience with our master. Have you more to present? I also present precious and fine-cut jewels, O guard, from lands far away, the wraith called out again, opening the bag so that the sun caught the illusionary gems and shone out with a precious light, bright and clear. May I enter? The head guard saw the bag and saw that the stones were fine and bright, glittering under the suns like stars. It is fine wares you present, O traveler and it will be enough to earn you an audience with our master, the head guard agreed. Open the gate! And as the great steel gate opened, the wraith stepped inside the stronghold. The guards led him deep into the stronghold, past the walls, past the slave quarters, past the water reservoir, and into the throne room where the master waited. Seated on a throne crafted from drapeau wood and velvet cloth was the master, and at his feet the two children of the mother were chained, 
bearing the master's cup of wine and a plate of food. Hail, master of the mountain stronghold, the wraith greeted, bowing deep even though he held no respect for the wretched being. I have traveled far to see if the tales of your mighty holdings were true, and I am pleased to see that they are. Hail, traveler, the master returned with a lazy wave. I have been told that you have wares to present to me. Most certainly, the wraith answered. Unrolling one of the fabric rolls and opening the bag that held the gems, letting the light catch both. Immediately the master's attention was caught, greed in his eyes as he gazed from his throne. Fine wares, from lands far away, the wraith continued, pretending not to notice the master's interest. I hope they might prove worthy of the attention of one such as yourself, and grant me a night at your stronghold after the journey. The master feigned disinterest, even as greed burned bright in his eyes, for he thought himself a cunning man. They're acceptable, but nothing special, the master dismissed. I would not look at them even if they were gifted to me. Please, O oh master, the wraith begged, for he knew himself to be a cunning man. At least allow me to gift you a gem, so that I may stay for the day. The robe was fraught, and I am tired of the journey. I will accept your gift, O traveler, the master allowed. Unable to resist the gift that shone and shimmered in the wraith's hand, and thinking he had a clever plan to acquire the wares without due pay. But you may stay only until the final sunset. Please, O oh master, the wraith begged again, unfurling one of the fabric rolls. At least allow me to gift you this cloth, so that I may stay the night as well. The robe was fraught, and the night is full of dangers. I will accept your gift, O traveler, the master allowed, pleased that his plan appeared to have worked. You may stay the night, but you must be gone by morning. Slaves, he commanded, frightening the children at the foot of his throne with his harsh voice. Collect the payment from the traveler, bring it to me, and show him to the special guest room. The master laughed as the children hastily bowed to follow his commands, thinking he had won against the unsuspecting traveller. The wraith kept quiet while the master laughed, knowing he had won against the unsuspecting master and allowing the children to take the gifts from his hands. Then he was led away, past the water reservoir, past the slave quarters, to a room that bordered the walls. There, when the wraith saw that no one was there to see them, he finally shed the disguise and revealed himself to the children. The illusion fell away, and suddenly in front of the children stood the strong and proud figure of the storm wraith in his cloak of midnight, and with eyes burning like spirit fires. Fear not, he told them quietly, for he knew to be gentle with the young children as their eyes widened and filled with fear. For I was sent by your mother to be your runner, and free you from your master. The children, raised on the stories of the slaves, and well taught by their mother in the knowledge of the children, knew what that meant for them, and did not cry out even when the wraith knelt down to look them in the eyes. For they knew not to be frightened even as the wraith was fearsome in appearance. 
Do you understand what that means, children? The wraith asked. Yes, runner, the children answered. We will follow you. Good. Then tell me, what is it I must know that the master has not told me? The wraith asked quietly, for he knew that the children would have heard all while kneeling at the foot of the throne. The master will have you killed when night falls, the first child revealed, so he may take your wares without payment. This room is far enough from all else that no one will hear your cries. The wraith had already suspected such a thing would occur, and merely bade the children to continue. The master also has chips within us that will kill us if we leave, the second child revealed, and control of the only water spring here, as it is hidden behind impenetrable locked doors of the water reserve, so we will die even if we do gain freedom. And he has mighty walls of stone and a steel gate that only he and the head guard could unlock with their eyes, the first child revealed. So no one may leave without his command. And even if we revolt, we will starve within the impenetrable walls. Many have tried over the years, the second child agreed, saddened and scared. And many have died. They will die no more, the wraith declared. I need you to continue your duties and raise no suspicions, but remain at ready. We will take flight at nightfall and be free when the suns rise again the next morning. With that, he sent the children on their way and began his plan, bundling the rocks and branches into the bed and stuffed into the corner of the room. The wraith disguised them to look like the merchant, far to sleep. Then, with the blessings of the spirits, he passed his hands over his brow and turned himself invisible. He snuck out of the room, past the guards who could not see him, and into the slave quarters. There he found the slaves huddled together, sadly discussing the traveller who would soon either be killed or become one of them before morning. Watching on as they could not see him, the wraith saw as all three dozen offered a prayer for his soul, and knew that he could not leave them behind. Fear not, he said, throwing off the invisibility as the slaves cried out in fear. For I was sent to free you as a runner, and am here to break your chains. The slaves calmed after the wraith announced himself, for even as he was fearsome of appearance in a cloak of midnight and eyes like spirit fire, he was a runner, and that meant they were safe. Hail, runner! The eldest of the elders amongst the slaves greeted. I fear your aid will be in vain, for it is not with chains we are bound, but with chips and water and walls. Hail, elder, the wraith greeted in turn, bowing deep, for he respected the elders. And fear not, for I have not come with iron files or hammers, but with true aid. And with that, the wraith pulled out one of the scales gifted to him by the sage, and whispered to it to transform into something that may free these people of their chips. The scale complied, and turned over in his hand to become a silver scalpel, engraved with the spirit of the gods, and the wraith knew for what it was meant. Cut out your chips with this scalpel, he said as he gave it to the elder. It will never dull, never make ill, and always find your chips without fail. Do it before nightfall, and you will be free next sunrise. The elder accepted the scalpel gratefully. And when the wraith turned himself invisible with the spirit's blessing once more, 
he saw the slave get to work cutting out their shackles, quieting and comforting each other as the blade did its work. Slipping past the guards once more, the wraith snuck into the water reservoir and found the impenetrable doors that locked away the spring from the world. Taking out the second scale, he whispered for it to transform into something that may free the spring from its reservoir. The scale complied, and turned over in his hand to become a shining silver ray of moonlight that burst forth and broke the steel walls of the reservoir apart, like they were merely made of sand. The water of the spring burst forward and swept up within it all the guards that had come to see what was causing the commotion. Leaving the guards to the unleashed spring's wrath, the wraith slipped by and snuck into the throne room, for the master was rapidly growing angered by none of the guards answering him what the commotion was about. Just when the master was growing angered enough that he would turn it to the children cowering at the foot of his throne, the wraith threw off the invisibility and revealed himself to the master. You shall learn to fear me, the wraith declared, silver blade at ready by his side. If you lay even a single hand on those children you stole from their mother. You, the master yelled. How dare you threaten me for my slaves? You shall learn to fear me, the wraith continued as he approached. But he would not answer to the master. If you do not return what you stole from the spirits in the mountains, you, the master yelled again, turning red in the face. How dare you threaten me over what is rightfully mine? And you shall learn to fear me, the wraith said one final time, closing the last of the distance. If you do not free the lives you have stolen, you, the master screamed this time, red in the face and spittle flying from his mouth. How dare you threaten me for taking my place as their better? And with that, the master swung a heavy fist straight at the wraith's head. But the wraith was quick and cunning, and ducked underneath the swing, swiftly bringing up his blade of silver and driving it deep in the master's neck. Do not fret the wraith whispered as the master's eyes bulged with fear. He will not fear me for long. And he pulled the blade free from the master's neck, life slowly bleeding out onto the floor as the body dropped, revealing the two children huddled behind him. Fear not, the wraith told them gently as they rushed into his arms, seeking to be reassured. You will be free by sunrise. Gathering the children close, he led them out of the throne room, past their dying master, past the water reservoir that let them cross the rushing water without issue, and into the slave quarters where all slaves stood at ready, each bearing a bleeding cut and a victorious grin. With kindness and gentle reassurances, the two children were freed from their chips by the steady hand of one of the slaves, as the wraith held them in his arms. With the last of the chains thrown off, the wraith led them out of the quarters that had been both their home and prison for so long and towards the walls, the last part of their captivity that still stood. The walls loomed high and mighty, and atop them what few remained of the guards still stood, ever vigilant. Halt! the head guard cried out. None of you may pass. Your master is dying! 
the wraith returned, voice thundering like the storm. The water has been freed. The slaves are unchained. Stand aside and let us through. But the head guard merely laughed. If the master is dying, then I am the new master, he declared. I am the only one now to have the key to the gates, and none shall leave without my say-so. The former slaves began to whimper and cry in despair as the new master laughed, fearing that they would never be free. But the wraith hushed them. Fear not, he told them. You will be free by sunrise. And with those words, the wraith took out the last scale, and he whispered to it to transform into something that may destroy these walls and free them all from the master. The scale complied, and turned over in his hands to become a shining, burning ball of sunlight. It spat and burned with fire and flame as the wraith held it, the former slaves crying out and stumbling back in fear and seeking cover but the wraith was never deterred as he glared at the walls with a fury that matched the sunlight. With an almighty roar, he threw the sunlight at the walls and the laughing master, his voice thundering like the storm as it struck hard and true. The walls shattered like clay the moment the sunlight struck them, ripping the stone and all that stood atop them to shards and tatters, bringing down the mighty monument that the master had been so proud of. When the dust settled, and all grew silent, all that was left was the wraith standing in the dying light of the twilight, cloak of midnight flowing free in the rising winds, and eyes burning as bright as the emerging stars above them. The walls have been destroyed, he called out into the mountains. The water and people freed. I stand before you, spirits, and say our bargain is fulfilled. The mountains rang with laughter as the wind whispered into his ear. Indeed it is, O Wraith, the voices whispered. Take our blessing with you one last time as thanks for services rendered. With the bargain complete, the Wraith beckoned the freed. Come, he said. Let me guide you out of the mountains and towards the people, so you may reach them before sunrise. The freed came and accepted the runner's guidance, following him out of the mountains in a procession, the two children walking next to him with a hand in each of his. They walked through the night and into the grey hours of the morning, reaching the shrine just before dawn. The wraith went to light the candles, but found it unnecessary as the mother was already waiting inside, overjoyed to see her children once more. They rushed towards her and were embraced in a tearful reunion, the other freed quickly surrounding the small family to reunite with one of their own. With a successful flight and dawn fast approaching, the wraith turns to leave, unneeded now by the freed. Wait! The mother and children and freed called out behind him as the first rays of the sun peeked over the horizon. Wait! Runner, blessed runner! Who were you that freed us so? The storm-wraith turned to face them one last time. Why me? He said. I was no one but a runner, your wings for the night. And with a laugh and a deep bow, he took the blessing of the spirits one last time 
and disappeared in a gust of wind, leaving behind the freed to their new lives as the suns came up over the horizon. He had kept his word. They were free by sunrise. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Darkrai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.